0: You're listening to the Built Shaves Podcast, presented by Midco Sports. If you want to take your UND athletics fandom to the next level, you've got to get Midco Sports Plus. It's the best way to watch live and archive games wherever you are, featuring Fighting Hawks basketball, football, soccer, volleyball, and softball, plus other Summit League, NSIC, and high school content you can't find anywhere else. Sign up today at midcosportsplus.com. This is how we do sports, and this is the Built Shaves Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Bill Shapes podcast. It is the 7th of February, a beautiful Tuesday afternoon. Alongside UND Athletics Director Bill Chaves, as always, I'm Alex Heinert. We're specially joined today by Deputy Athletics Director Eric Martinson, taking the hot seat this afternoon. Great to have you with us, Marty. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. We are excited
1: to have you, Eric, because you touch on a lot of different areas in the department. So uh, we're going to probably just go around maybe through the salad bar a little bit about what you deal with on a day-to-day basis (laughs) and uh, should be fun. But let me start with this. Let me, how about question one? And for all you pod listeners, yes, we can have follow-ups too. So we're going to do three questions, but you've assumed the role of deputy athletic director uh, back in July. And so maybe about seven months in. So what's the differential between uh, the job that maybe you had and then the job you're currently in?
2: Yeah, I think uh, you know it's been a, a fun and, and challenging seven months, but it's uh, every day is a new day, which has been awesome uh, to kind of learn and grow and and kind of just have that pulse on the on the department along with with Bill. I think Bill and I are are constantly in communication uh, on a daily, minute, hourly, whatever basis um, for uh, for everything that that's going on. So we divide and conquer as much as we can. Um, I think from an athletics athletics director chair. It's really hard to be in so many different places. So for me to be able to kind of come in and 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 assume the deputy role and, and really help Bill and um you know kind of divide and conquer with a lot of things. If I'm with hockey, you're at you're at basketballs, or if you're at football, I'm over here. There's a lot of things, you know, a lot of times we're not in the same place because we're we're trying to be at two places at once. So um that's been really fun just to kind of kind of assume the role and, and be in that, you know, being being with the department since two thousand and five and full-time since 2009. I've I've been in different chairs um, throughout the department, and it's been fun to kind of dive into certain specific areas, but as a deputy, I've really learned to kind of just make sure you have that global approach um, across the kind of all platforms and all all areas, and it's been fun to kind of dive in and and help where needed, and, um, you know, it's just an awesome opportunity, and I can't thank uh, Bill and the UND and, and Dr. Armacost enough for for allowing me to, to come to work and, and and do this on a as call it my job so it's awesome.
0: Eric, what's been the biggest challenge of taking on this role after you, you you mentioned it your long time with the university what's been different about this year? I think
2: um you know time management and just trying to stay on top of everything. When you say you wear multiple hats you literally are wearing every hat um all the time. So a uh, time management um has been has been I don't want to say difficult, but it's been, um, you know, you got to manage it and you got to manage it well, and you got to know what what's a priority and what can wait and and how do you get things done. And you got to have a little grind in you. And, and uh, I think, um, you know, learning from, from Bill and how he's been able to to grind in his um, experience and in his professional career has really taught me a lot on, um, you know, you do kind of have to be the first one into the office every once in a while. And um, you got to make the phone calls and you can't wait. But, you know, a lot of times, you know, a lot of times if you if you have something come in, you got to be able to deal with it and kick it out right away because the, the longer you wait, the, the dirtier, messier something can get. Um, so really just staying on top of things and and addressing things and and really getting to the appropriate people, not always trying to have the right answer or try to do take on everything, but get it to the right people so that they can then. Um, take care of it, you know, for the department. So that's been a a big learning curve, but also uh, something that's been awesome. And I think uh, has really has challenged me and and taught me well so far.
1: It's been good, Alex, because obviously, Eric, he he provides something I can't provide. I wasn't a student here. So um, I didn't have multiple jobs on this campus. I do feel this way, though. When you when you break, let's even say the four-year period and you get into year four and five at an institution, you kind of been here as long as any alum that's kind of a normal, I'll say the normal trajectory of getting a degree. So you, you kind of have that, which is great. But I think between Eric and I, we play off each other pretty well because I've been at six six other institutions and I, I've seen how they do it doesn't mean it's right or wrong and it doesn't mean it's right or wrong for UND and things can change and so the one thing we say all the time and maybe it'll be another pod tenant is that ask good questions be really inquisitive
2: because what you what you think you know is not always what is actually happening happening right so having someone come in and really pause and and you have two year two years in one mouth for a reason I think having the pause to listen but also give you know it's awesome in in again in this new role for us for Bill and I to really um, kind of give it back to 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 some of our staff and really empower them um, to to do different things that they might have said well no one's asked me that or no one's asked my opinion or you know that's the biggest thing is saying hey well what do you think um, and really empowering our staff and um, I just think athletics is so unique and so great because we we have the ability to have impact on not only young professionals um you know the people that we work with the people across campus but have impact on student athletes impact from when we are in the classroom in the community um to to young i have two young daughters and i think just even them seeing the impact that our student athletes have on on a four-year-old and a nine-year-old is is impactful and i think it's uh pretty special in what we do and that's those are the things that we're trying to focus on um as we go
0: you mentioned two truisms there you have one mouth and two ears. And you also mentioned the fact that the longer you wait, the messier and dirtier it's going to be. Those sound like parenting guidelines yeah. that you maybe lived as a parent over the course of time, Eric. Yeah, no
2: one's perfect. And I'm trying to trying to figure out the parenting thing every day. But there's uh, some pretty good correlations between the two. So it's good.
1: Yeah, I you know, interestingly, I back in... Uh Back in one of my chapters in life, I had an assistant superintendent as a boss, Tony Torrey, great guy, had been at the Enfield Public Schools for like 37 years at that point. And, you know, he actually gave in some ways the opposite advice and that some situations you got to put a little time and space because sometimes things have a way of working themselves out. But I would say this, if you know there's a situation going on, (laughs) waiting is probably not going to make it any better at that stage. And I think that's where you know we talk about, even with our coaches, uh, with our student athletes, a lot of times you can make a mistake. It's how you handle that particular mistake makes a big difference. You can mitigate a lot by handling a situation, even though initially it may not be great. Ultimately, the second move you make needs to be a good one. If the first one wasn't awesome, the second one needs to be a good one.
0: Don't double down. Yep. Don't double down. Don't compounds. Yeah. Compound your mistakes, mistakes.
2: Yep. That's it.
0: <laughs> Let's shift gears. Question number two. There's a lot of new construction going on around the campus within different athletic buildings that we've been hearing about for a while. What can you give us in terms of facilities update, Eric?
2: Yeah, I think uh, it's, it's really exciting. I think UND as a whole has transformed. Um, you know completely i love i love when people come back to campus and and they drive through university and they say holy cow you have done so much to campus campus looks beautiful um you know mike Pieper, the 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 you know head of facilities has really done a good job of trying to figure out ways to to partner with different companies and to to look at different ways on how to fund things um you know and and just it's been it's been awesome to see the support um, and the transformation, you know, across campus and, and our our facility partners um, of what that looks like. But from an athletic stance, um, you know, we've been grinding on on trying to, what is our master plan? What is our vision? And really looking at whatever is east of Columbia and kind of that whole complex of what that's gonna be. His uh, Hislop has served us so well for so many years. And there's so many memories that people have of a packed house and a packed basketball gym, um, you know, with, with just, you in the NDSU games and I hear it all the time there's been presidents that have spoken there there's been concerts um the hislop has has served its 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 it's time um and we're looking at what's the next iteration what's the next hislop um for athletics for the next 50 60 70 years and I think um that's the the cool part about you know master planning is you can you can dream a little bit you can have a vision you can believe you know in, in certain things are going to happen and we've had to change some some things along the way but um, you know, really focusing in um, as a recent, you know, focusing in on, you know, funding, fundraising for the, the Pollard Athletic Center addition, um, and really adding on something to the to the beautiful 150,000 square foot Pollard Athletic Center adding that addition to make our student athletes bigger, stronger, faster, and having a home for those student athletes to be right there is really important to us. So, um, you know, we're actively fundraising for, for that, that addition and, and going through the different planning processes with our architects and um, what we can do, what we can't do, what could save money, what what's areas that we don't want to lose the integrity of. So um, kind of making sure the sports med weight room and locker rooms are in the addition is really important to us. Um, but, but because of that, because of that fundraising piece, we also have kind of done some different things, um, that have shifted our master plan. And one of those is, uh, the Memorial Village with where we're at, um, you know, when you kind of come over the Columbia overpass, you're going to see some, a building kind of rising right now. And we have great partners with, uh, Memorial Village, who is an alumni group, um, of developers of, of Steve Beery and Mike Coons. Craig Tweeten and Kevin Ritterman, who have kind of come together and say, "Hey, this is a great opportunity, um, and we want to help athletics and UND out um, for that." So we're actually going to occupy the first floor, a majority of the first floor of that Memorial Village building. There's going to be market rate of housing, uh, market rate housing above that, um, but we're going to uh, we're going to occupy the first floor and lease that um, for a, for a period of time to have our our administrative offices, coaches' offices. Um, kind of football areas, meeting room, um, things like that. So that's kind of the other piece of it. And then in between that's our our turf um, and our track that uh, that has served us well and has lot had has has been there for for many many years. Um, but we're looking to kind of update that as those those are kind of end of life um, pieces. So we can kind of if you're going to do the addition, you're going to do the memorial village. Doing that in between and really making that uh, a special and you know updated turf and track will be big for us so and then there's some other stuff we have visions of of having a softball field right north of the Pollard, which I think is exciting to get softball on a turf field up in this environment, um, and on campus would be would be pretty special. So along with that, you know, we have visions of Bronson Field kind of, we have three three sides of it are gated and really that west side, um, you know, we'd like to, we have something kind of special that we'd like to do on that west side for making an inviting piece um, for Bronson Field along with, you know, as natural grass, natural pitch as uh, you and Bill, would, Alex and Bill would call it um, uh, from a soccer sense is it's always trying to update that pitch and make that the, the best surface we can um, for that. And then kind of moving into the Ralph and the Betty, we're always trying to do different projects there. And um, what can be from a master planning piece on that. So we, we uh, you know, throwing that all out there, um, you know, along with Ray Richards, and what can we do with Ray Richards as we oversee that? And is there opportunity to, to to dream a little bit to maybe have a, a, a sweet shots, top golf type thing there, you know, like, we, we, uh, we have huge opportunity within athletics and with the real estate that we're given and the different areas that we have. So, um, being being in conversations and, and having great relationships and being a good teammate to our facility partners and our community partners um, and future developers is i think is a very important thing um, and one that that bill and i are in constant conversation and, and meetings um, to just keep trying to move that needle and elevate where athletics sits today because I think it will, you know, it will show up on the, on the court and in the competition piece and, and, and also be a community asset to, to grand forks um, for, for when we're not using it from an athletic standpoint. Yeah. So quick
1: follow-up on that, Eric. And I don't, I don't, um we probably should discuss choice uh in, in kind of the uh tennis situation so eric oversees tennis at all for us as a sport uh administrator um but there's some exciting stuff going on there as well certainly with the uh um the streaming uh possibilities hopefully that's going to be happening here shortly
2: yeah i mean if you just look take take a step back just uh, a few years back you know it was Choice is a, a beautiful facility the way it is from a tennis standpoint with six courts and an elevated mezzanine but with the, the the great help from our generous donors and and um you know some gifts that have came in we we've put together a, a scoreboard and a video system um, an audio system uh, that really kind of elevates that that game day experience. but we're also looking at kind of a streaming uh, piece to it too, so that we can start streaming tennis matches. and um you know, we're just trying to find little ways and uh, little projects that we can do that will elevate that experience for our student athletes and for the the fans as a whole. So, um you know, Tom Boyson came from the University of Nebraska and he's been at other Division one institutions and and he's he's adamant and you can you can feel his, uh, his um his excitement and he he says that choice is one of the best game day atmospheres he's ever experienced and I don't think he's lying on that one because it's just awesome with the the fans that can overlook the the tennis courts and get into the matches and you know I think it's uh the, we we like to liken it to the Davis Cup right where it's just rowdy and um, it gets loud in there which is fun. I think that's my follow up, Alex. We can go on to question three. I mean, I you think. <laughs>
0: No, I think that's fine. There's a lot. I mean, you touch on there's a lot going on. I think that's that's essentially the update. It seems like no stone has been left unturned around the university. Absolutely.
2: We have great partners with our development folks in the foundation to to really help us try to to reach those goals. And our donors and our fan base, um, you know, that are having conversations and willing to help. You know, that's a special thing. UND is unique in the way that we have people that want it, that want to help, that want to be a part and want to do good things. Um, And we can't thank them enough from a philanthropic standpoint, Um, but not only not only the philanthropic standpoint, but a a great university that's supportive of athletics and um, really our city and state that, you know, UND is a special place. And I can't say that enough. I bleed it. I I feel it. Um, I know our staff does, too. And it's just it's a it's really unique and and awesome to have and be a part of. Yeah. And I'd
1: say before we get on to question three, just a quick comment is uh, we have such a supportive upper administration right now between, uh, you know, certainly uh, uh, starts at the top with Dr. Armacost, but certainly all of the VPs. And um, it just, they want excellence across the board at the University of North Dakota. And, and so, uh, you know, there is just a feeling of just awesome teammates across campus as well. And so none of this would be uh, possible if, it, if, if uh, the vision that we casted out wasn't supported by that group. So we're really, really lucky in that sense. So the other thing you do, Eric, among other things, um, is serve – on the NCA committee, well, there's two NCA things going on. Certainly, we we've got a regional in Fargo that you've been, um, you know, incredibly uh, hands on over the course of years. With it. so, a quick update on what's going on there, and then two on the rules committee. And I think it's it's safe to say this is a non rules year, but you can explain that a little further as well.
2: Yeah, for sure. So, uh, from a Fargo standpoint, you know we've hosted many regionals in Fargo. We had to bid bid on this with the NCAA, and and we we're fortunate enough to to be awarded the regional. Um, so we have great partners with Shields Arena and and that staff and John Crumb, the general manager, is is phenomenal and in, in trying to help make us that make that the best experience possible. So tickets are still on sale. If uh, you'd like to purchase tickets for that um, for the regional. Um, just go to the ShieldsArena.com, Shields, go to the Shields website, um, Shields Arena website for that piece of it. And, um, you know, we're excited to put on another great show. We, we always have, uh, you know, a great crowd and, um, you know, good good competition. So I don't want to have five overtimes again. Um, but uh, other than that, I think uh, we want to try to replicate as much as we can from what we've done in the past, because it's such a great venue. And it's, uh, it's, it's awesome to have just, you know, an hour south of Grand Forks. Um, the other the other piece that uh, that I do sit on is the NCAA Rules Committee. So that's been quite a, a learning process and a, um pretty unique experience. I'm in my third year, um, so I'm the vice chair of the committee with uh, kind of the Division One men's um, uh, focal point and kind of their liaison. So um you know we do a rule ch- rule change there's a rule change year every two years so my first year was a non-rule change year my, that this last year was a rule change year um so we we did kind of change some rules up a little bit on on with a lot of feedback from the coaches and student athletes and fans um with that so with you know different three on three and shootouts and penalties and how things are are done throughout the game we're just it's a great committee because it's great perspective from a division three, division one, men and women's hockey. So you put all those together and, and we get in the room and you know, we meet quite regularly with the with the um you know, with Dropbox and, and emails and Zooms. Um, there's a lot of information that goes back and forth. We're looking at it, feels like every every Sunday or Monday, uh Jeff Fulton, our secretary, um, uh secretary rules editor is always sending out you know clips hey what do you what do you all think was this goalie interference was it not goalie interference was this should this kind of meet the the five five minute standalone contact to the head or the five minute standalone check from behind the different things that we that we're looking at and we have looked at um you know we look at a lot of video and then we we discuss it and and if sometimes if we can't come out with a consensus how are we expecting the officials to do the same so Um, I know how hard it is. um, But it's, uh, it's, it's it's a great opportunity and cool experience to kind of just be in those conversations. So
1: one follow up to that, Marty, and and you've said this, it's a it's a little tricky, right? Because you've got two divisions that are kind of trying to play two genders, and two divisions trying to kind of play under the same rules. And not every time, probably, sometimes there might be square pegs and round holes.
2: Yeah, I think that's a challenge of of the committee and of the our rulebook. I mean, we have we have one one rulebook for for two genders and two divisions, and and not every game is is played the same. You know, there's a lot of division three that uh, they they don't play with video review, and and a lot of our conversations on the division one level is about video review, and a lot of our challenges with division one hockey is about video review. But there are games. They might have video review in in championships and other things, so um, you know it does might hit them, but not as hard. So there's the, there are things that they lean on us for, just like we lean on them for for different aspects and different lands. So it's a really good perspective amongst everybody, and I appreciate. And we have a great group um, and a thoughtful group, but it's it's kind of it. I would say that is one of the challenges when you have um, you know that big of a group with that a wide array of of sport and gender within hockey.
1: And the reason why I mentioned that, and uh, and, and certainly Eric being on the committee, he he shares what he can with me to some degree because I don't serve on the committee, nor should I ever know what's going on inner workings wise. But I will say this, though. It's interesting. I think folks would want to know that your group does talk about situations that occur across the country almost literally in real time depending upon when your meetings are so so at least you guys are kind of on it at this point in time doesn't mean you're going to make a, a rule change at this point in time or it's not a rule change year but I think our fan base who are is so in tune with what's going on from a hockey perspective probably good for them to know that you all are discussing these things
2: absolutely I think uh it's it's funny, even um, you know, we've brought in Mike Murphy from the NHL and and, and he has got he's been with the NHL for, for lots of years. And he even says, Sometimes, you know what? I haven't seen it all. You know, there's some things that come up and you go, Well, I've never seen that before. And, and that happens kind of quite a bit, um, you know, throughout the throughout the, the nation on weekends, and we talk about them and say, Okay, where can our rule book define some certain things, be better at certain things? Or is it this truly just a one in a million chance that this happened and, and we might not need to have a rule out of it, but yeah, I would say we talk a lot. The, the the best thing about technology is, is texting and calling and showing clips and being able to cut clips in real time and sending it over and just saying, Hey, what do you think? Like, is there opportunity for us to clean some things up or clear some things up? Um, I think clarity is a big one when it comes to the rule book. There's, there's rule books you know, I still officiate hockey, uh, when I have time, um, not a ton, but there's different, there's different leagues that have, I mean, USA hockey rulebook is that thick. The NCAA rulebook is that thick. There's different ways to how do you can approach rules. And sometimes you can leave them as vague as you want, and it's up to interpretation or, you know, you can try to define everything. And that's one thing I've learned on the committee. You don't have to, you know, I'm Bill is always a less is more guy. I'm always like, let's give everything. And he always tells me, hey, you got to pare it down, pare it down, pare it down. So um, there's a good balance there. And that's where I'm trying to find it. But I think that's, that's where it is with rules.
0: Not every situation has to have a rule, but sometimes it's good to have something to look back on too. I know you probably can't divulge a whole lot, but just from the conversations that you've had with other people on the committee. Of the new rules that were brought in, you know the standalone five-minute major, coaches challenges, etc. Which ones do you feel have been the best received, and which ones do you think are perhaps still under scrutiny if they're going to stick moving forward? Ooh, I don't know if
2: not many rules are well received. I guess there are some rules <laughs> that they just say, "Okay, sure, sounds good." Um, I think the challenge right away was very bumpy. Um, And I think getting used to that was very bumpy and it felt like, whoa, what did we do here? But I think now that we've gotten into it, I think there's a a definite benefit to having the challenge and and really not, you know, there was a lot, being an official is very hard. And I think a lot of times we have to look at it and Bill says this all the time. We have to try to help our officials and not put them in tough spots. So with the ability to challenge you actually are there. You're humanizing the game a little bit by putting some of that, that onus on the coach. It's not always pressuring an official to say, go look at it. And you can't say that on every play. Some of the things need to be challenged. And I think I believe that the onus is on the coach, because if they don't challenge it in that situation, it's a lot harder for them to come the next day and say, you missed that call because really it's actually, no, well, you missed it too, because you didn't challenge it. So we're always going to have some it's always going to be a tough conversation um, when things happen in a game but I think the challenge you know as it's kind of evolved and people have gotten used to it that's the one that I think is has uh, been good and well received in, in some manner because um, the officials can't catch everything and I think having the challenge not only just with the timeout when we added um, you know if you if you don't have your timeout then a penalty is on the line. I think that's when they have the ability to challenge at any point in time. I think that's really important um, because then it's on the coach to, and coaching staff to try to say it.
1: Yeah, I think I think you're right, Eric. And I think it's 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 a really good reason why you don't do rule changes every year. I think every other year you got to let some things germinate. And I yeah. think if you were to make a, a a rule and it was one year in. You might be tending to want to maybe change it right away. And you're right. It almost has to bake a little bit to some degree. I, I do think this, my opinion, this is my opinion. We've learned, I believe, that timeouts are very disposable. I, 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 think, I think, but I think I'm okay with that, though. Uh, because I'm not sure I, I I go back and forth, but I'm not sure it should be a penalty right away. I mean, if you want to challenge and you have your time out in your hip pocket, that to me is a strategy going into the game.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I think it's I think it's definitely made coaches think on, say, an icing. Right. It always used to be a. Oh well, he's going to take a timeout here. They they need to rest. Well, it makes them think a little bit. Like uh, maybe they don't need rest. Maybe they're not as tired as I thought they would because I want to keep my timeout for you know a challenge later on. But I liked that the, there's a penalty option because it makes it hurt if the timeout isn't there, and it always allows them. I never, I personally didn't want some, to institute these challenges, but then have a coach not be in a position to challenge. Um, if there was something to happen, you know, if if there's goalie interference, the officials really can't go to go to review without a challenge. If there's say goalie interference, there's other instances too. But say goalie interference, I never wanted the coach to say, "Well, I shouldn't use the timeout." Now I can't challenge it at all. I like that there's the the both both aspects there.
1: So last thing, and this could take us to the top of the hour, so I don't want it to do that. <laughs> but but I will say this: I'm going to ask Alex this question. Oh man! What do you think about three on three overtime?
0: Oh, here we go! <laughs>
1: if you were czar for a day, would you play in overtime? Number one, would you do five on five, four on four, three on three?
0: Is this? I think it depends on the scenario. Is it regular regular season? season. We're just talking regular, regular season. season. I think you need to have an overtime. I like that there's the option if you're still tied after sixty to move forward. Okay,
1: that's great. And
0: now, and I don't mind the three on three. I think I'm okay with three on three. I don't. I don't. I wouldn't have minded if it was four on four, but I think you're trying to get an outcome on the ice, right? And if you can take a few bodies off there, the rate of scoring is going to increase. I think the big question becomes: How much should it be worth? Is it worth a true win? How much is it worth pairwise? That's where it gets tricky to me. But I think three on three is still a really entertaining product, and you you typically get a result from that through five minutes. So I'm okay with it. Do you like the shootout after? if they can't get a result? I think same thing. I think it depends on what's on the line. I like that from an NCAA perspective, it counts as a tie. So this isn't weighted quite the same and you get the extra point in the standings. I really don't mind how it's set up right now. I think it's a good system. I'm glad we don't go right to a shootout though. I'm glad it's not 60 minutes and then it's a shootout and that equals just as much as if you scored you know, in the 59th minute or and, and won the game.
2: Yeah. I think it's been awesome conversation really lately, Uh you know, at the NHL all-star game that was kind of brought up and, and some of the all-stars had some pretty good feedback on, Hey, you know what three on three should be 10 minutes without, with no shootout. And if you're, if you're tied after 10 minutes of three on three, then you end it, you know, there's a lot of conversations. and chicklets was getting into it too. I mean, it's, there's a, there's some cool thought processes that it's like, three on three is it four on four is it five on five and no shootout is it you know not to steal your thunder bill but is 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 a tie a fair result and maybe we should do that the unique thing I'll bill i'll let you answer your own question but the unique thing in in this is the rules committee's purview is to decide on how the game should be played and then it goes to the committees which for our instance the division one men's ice hockey committee then decides on how those game, how the game should be calculated when it comes to wins, losses, and ties for that. So I think that's been another challenge of mine where I want to say, well, if we do this, then I hope this happens. Well, the answer back, and Ty Helpin does a great job from the NCAA, and, and Keith Maurice, our chair, just, hey, we decide on how, the committee decides on how the game is played, how it's calculated is a different committee. So that's, it's 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 challenging, but it's interesting.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I I think certainly it's the same for both teams going in. So you know what you play the game, and I and so that's just what it is. You you know three on three generally is probably going to yield a result, and if you're on the good side of it, you're happy with it, and if you're not, you're not. So, but I I just I feel like the amount of times during the regular play during regular season, the 60 minutes, how many times do you play three on three? Probably never. I mean, the answer is probably never. And so how many times do you play four on four? Mm, A bit, a bit. It feels like more like hockey as far as what you see during the 60 minutes. And then all of a sudden we kind of went to a, for lack of a better term, you know, three on three basketball, which is a thing, but it is different when you take two people off the court. So, and in this case off the ice. So, and then the last thing I'll just say a little bit different when you're playing 82 games or 80 games versus 32 or 34.
2: Yep. For sure. Yeah. There's a lot, there's a lot to it. And and trust me, uh, I think we talk about it probably once a week when when Bill wants four on four and I, and and I just give him the reasons why we can't. Well,
1: Uh, every time there's four on four on the ice, I go, Oh, yeah. Oh oh <laughs> it's four on four. Hmm, interesting. Um, the last thing I'll say is uh, so what Eric will do too is when we have our year-end meetings uh, for the conference, all the conferences will go down and then it, it's ahead of the coaches association. So I think you'll you'll garner feedback probably Eric, right from all the coaches yeah. and see from the rule changes that occurred and other things that are going on, but you'll really have a good opportunity to to talk with the coaches.
2: Yeah, absolutely, and I think getting that feedback is is so crucial, you know, from a coaching side, but also a student athlete side and a fan side. So um, I'm always asking kind of those questions to 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 anybody and everybody on on what their thoughts are. But uh, the the NCHC meetings and the AHCA meetings are are pretty vital in getting feedback on on how they feel things
0: have gone. Well, it should be a fun summer in Naples when everybody gets together and talks through these things here coming up. So, and then this was a fun conversation, Eric. We always appreciate your time, buddy. Multi time guest, Eric Martinson making an impact here on the built shapes podcast.
2: Appreciate you guys. Thank you. We'll talk to you later. Thanks, Eric.
0: Well, let's take a quick look around what else is happening around UND athletics. Again, early February conference tournaments for our winter sports, not that far off between basketball and hockey. Women's hoops picked up a couple of nice wins this past week, kind of snapping long skids against some of their rivals. Broke an eight-game streak against North Dakota State. Broke a fourteen-game streak to South Dakota. This is a team that now at six and six in conference, still almost unbeaten at home. Eleven and one on home court. A lot to play for for Mallory Bernhard's squad with six games to go.
1: Yeah. You know, Alex, I'm going to put, if I can, I'm going to put women's basketball, men's basketball, and hockey all in the same bucket. bucket. I mean, I, I, because at the end of the day, with, with, uh, with coach Sather's team picking up a road win at South Dakota, you know, there, there's still a lot of movement within the the, the league standings that can occur. And so, so I think all of our teams are in this boat where if they can have a pretty good run in um, who knows where they're going to end up. And I think, and of course, they're going to play in conference tournaments as well. And so you just want to be playing your best heading into March, as we all know. And so knock on wood, hopefully that's the case. And uh, I I think the men have, you know, just a a monumental week at home where you're playing a couple of schools that are right above you. You could make some hay, maybe Um, we'll see what happens. And so still everything's out in front of us.
0: It was a big 14 point win the men in vermilion this last week Again, second conference win and as you said denver and omaha come into town those are the teams that are just ahead of them in the standings a great opportunity for that group to move up women's basketball they play four of their last six on the road but five of those games are against teams below them so you get a chance to pick up some victories obviously you can get caught if you stumble down the stretch but that again same thing either way and then same thing with hockey as you said it's eight, eight games left four on the road four at home they're playing some very good teams down the stretch but it's a great chance to be able to pick some of those squads off and move yourself up the table. Everything's still in play for all three of those sports, certainly.
1: Yeah, I think all three of them can say, hey, if we continue to make progress, it, 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 it's really about us. And and that's that's a good place to be. And, you know, ladies, ladies got to find a way to 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 get off the schneid on the road. I mean, uh, you know, we haven't found a way to uh, to win a game in in the Summit League. We've won road games this year, but we just haven't uh, at this point in time. So obviously that's a big deal for them. And uh, and, you know, in Paul's team in really in a lot of ways, Brad's team is it's about stacking, right? Now, stacking some good, you know, efforts like 60-minute efforts and 40-minute efforts, uh, if if those occur, um, you know who knows where we'll end up. And then you know what, if you're heading to Sioux Falls or you're, you know, heading into the quarterfinals, followed by, uh, you know, knock on wood, St. Paul. You know who knows, you know what can happen with these three teams.
0: Yeah, that's the exciting part about being in a conference. You get that second crack. If things don't quite pan out from an at-large perspective, at least on the hockey side. And for basketball, it doesn't matter, really, what you do in the regular season. Even the Oral Roberts might get an at-large on the men's side. The way that things have been going, that team's going to be in position, potentially. But, uh, but all these teams, again, fighting for the ability to play their best come conference tournament time, which, again, is March is just a couple of weeks away. It's crazy. Uh, one team that is playing their best, men's tennis. Still unbeaten, 8-0, best start in school history. They've beaten good teams, beating ranked teams at the Division three level, beating good teams, power five schools on the Division one level. What can you say about that particular group right now? They're just on a roll. They are.
1: You know, they've had some nice, nice wins. And, uh, you know, the only thing I can say is certainly you can read all about it. I mean, and uh, uh, certainly Brad Schlossman does a great job with tennis as well. And the Grand Forks Herald and our media relations staff does a great job. It's so fun at choice. If you can make it out to a match, I would strongly suggest that you do.
0: Yeah, the men won't be back home for a little while. The women will be home on the 18th of February. They'll play Southwest Minnesota State coming up in a couple of weeks. Eric Martinson talked about it, just how that building continues to improve the fan experience. It's... A different experience, I think a lot of people from North Dakota, South Dakota, Minnesota, you don't always get to go watch a great high-level tennis match. So unless you want to be, you know, taking a flight to Paris or going to to some of the great venues around the country, you know, for summer tennis, things like that, this is your next best thing. So be sure to check those things out when you get the opportunity. Uh, Indoor track and field, by the way, coming off another good weekend, another split squad performance in Fargo and South Bend, more school records being broken. The indoor conference meets is coming up at the end of this month in Vermilion. big weekend ahead with the, a, a triple split, Boston Albuquerque Brookings, the three destinations for our tracksters this weekend, Bill.
1: Correct. All leading up to Vermilion. So uh, I know coach Verkamp's excited about it and uh, you know, it should be uh should be a lot of fun for, for this team. But and again, if we do have a, a home meet, which uh, actually we've had a couple um, this indoor season, that's a lot of fun as well. And uh um, I think we're we're looking at trying to do some things even with high school teams as well. So, you know, Jim is uh, very entrepreneurial in, in his approach. And, uh, you know, we're excited about what he's doing with the program.
0: You mentioned a home meet. Again, on the 18th, same day as women's tennis, there is the UND tune-up that'll be at the Fritz Pollard Center as well. So an opportunity in a couple of weeks to go see the squads before they head down to Vermilion for the indoor championships on the 24th and 25th. Speaking of heading different places as well, softball will be getting started this weekend's and they're going all across the country. It's going to be a really fun tour of the southern parts of the continent for uh, for the crew. They'll go to California, South Carolina, Missouri, Texas, Florida, Maryland, before finally opening up the Summit League season against uh, against South Dakota on the 25th of March. Pretty good stuff for Jordan Stevens and crew. A good schedule on the way.
1: Yeah, it should be fun. Uh, I get to see them every morning when they're working out. So uh, you know they're going to be uh, they're going to be here. Um, uh, like you said, crisscrossing the country, playing their games before uh, we get them here for Summit League play uh, in Grand Forks,
0: San Luis Obispo coming up this weekend for that group. So best of luck. Uh, I got to touch base with some of the softball kids at the Ralph a couple of weeks ago during our UND hockey game. They were working one of the concession stands. And again, it's it's a fun group of girls, and they they seem that you you have to like each other when you are going to be on the road that much and spending so much time in different parts of the country. But they're a fun group, and they should be competitive again this year in the Summit League when the time comes.
1: I'm sure they're going to make it to the fireside grill for the number 1 tri-tip. So at the end of the day, that's all you need to do. I mean, don't overthink it. If you're out in uh, Cal Cal Poly, just again, fireside, the number 1.
0: You heard it here. You heard it here first. Uh, anything else going on from a UND perspective, Bill?
1: No, I think we've covered it. I mean, we'll we'll do a quick flip and uh, you know, it's exciting. You're right. We're we're kind of heading toward the end uh, of our of our um Winter seasons, and uh, then then the month of March, which is uh, Championship March, which will be exciting.
0: Fun time of year, for sure. On the B-side, two big topics this week. I think first, your boy, Harry Kane, breaking the all-time Spurs goals record. In the words of assistant Tottenham Hotspur head coach Christian Stellini, Harry Kane is football. Your thoughts, Bill?
1: So I didn't realize, I saw a young Harry Kane in Seattle in one of their summer tours back in ah. 2011. So, um,
0: you were there from the beginning,
1: I feel like we're kindred spirits at this point. So (laughs) I feel, I feel like I've been involved with all 200 goals that occurred. So, uh, yeah, he's a, I'd say, I don't know if you would say a world-class striker, but he's certainly a world-class finisher. He finishes with the best of them and, uh, you know, he can do it right each way in the air and with both feet. And he's uh, he just has a knack to get a little bit of space and and score. And I thought the goal he had uh, against Man City was kind of a sort of a Harry Kane type of goal where he just has a crack. And uh, boy, the next thing you know, it's in the net.
0: Yeah, he's a special player. One of the great things about his story is that he was a late bloomer. Like he really wasn't yep. wanted. He wasn't like one of these kid prodigies. He was kind of a, in his words, kind of a pudgy, unathletic kid that just kept working at it and got rejected and got sent on loan and had to kind of bide his time. And then, yeah, about 10 years ago or so, things started to click. And now he's the greatest goal scorer in this storied club's history and the greatest goal scorer in England history. It's It's wild. It's a and testament I, w- to I would think it.
1: he's going to be the greatest goal scorer in Premier League history at some point. He's really only 29, going to be 30.
0: Yeah, future's bright. He's got a great chance to keep moving up the ranks. That's for sure.
1: If we can just play Man City at home, every <laughs> single match, we'd be great, Alex. They've been to our new stadium five times and they haven't scored.
0: Isn't that something? That is really crazy, actually. As, as good as that team has been. Yeah, that, I did not realize that. That's quite the stat. You're not too far away from Man City. Unfortunately, the team you're trying to chase down is Arsenal. I-, I saw there were so many great memes about Arsenal fans and the conflict between seeing Spurs win, which they hate, because it's their crosstown rival, versus seeing Man City lose, which is good for them, because that's their closest challenger to a title. It was, uh, it's fun to see the inner conflict amongst Gunner fans.
1: I- I'm glad we could make them suffer. <laughs> I mean, because that that's based based on their match at Everton. Um, you know, it was a, it was a double dip weekend for them, so uh, it was kind of weird. That was the first time they've kind of hit a speed bump this year.
0: Yeah, Sean Dyche's Everton a big win for them. I mean, this is an Everton team that was in nineteenth, eighteenth coming into the weekend, and they find a way against Arsenal. And it looks like maybe maybe the Toffees are turning things around uh, just in time to play Liverpool this weekend, who are really struggling right now with just. Uh, three defeats in their last four, and no wins in the league in 2023. They, they won a couple games right at the start of the restart around the holiday, and they've really struggled since.
1: Yeah, and I think uh, in talking to Paul Ralston, who's been a podcast guest before, um, he mentioned, and he's probably correct in this, as we go into the run-in to May, now that Champions League is back in play and the FA Cup, been a few other things. It, I think we're going to see some interesting results along the way because uh, teams are going to have to make decisions on who they're going to play. I mean, I you just can't rinse, wash, repeat. I mean, the way Tottenham got into the Champions League last year was they lost in every other competition. So they had basically one match a week. Well, there might be a couple of those teams that are out there, but there's a few that are going to have to figure things out because of the compressed schedule with the World Cup.
0: Yeah. It's an interesting time. Always is when Champions League restarts with the round of 16, which will happen yes, just next week, I believe that gets started again. So uh pretty crazy. Liverpool, by the way, still in that competition. So, we'll Who see. would have?
1: Yeah, correct. They are. If so I mean, really, your year can be made still. Um Man City, we talked about them on the pitch, but off the pitch um, they've made some news too. So it'll be interesting to see what transpires there,
0: huh? They dodged one bullet a couple of years ago when they were Put to the high court by by UEFA for breaching financial fair play rules, it was almost a city almost got off on a technicality, essentially on the last charge because the statute of limitations had expired and things were longer than five years old, and now the Premier League has essentially said no, 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 I I think something's not right here, and so. There's a chance that the city could be fined. It's all all about because they they cooked the books, essentially, and said they were getting more money from sponsors, and that's why they could balance this out. There's financial fair play that you can't spend X amount of dollars over what you bring in year in and year out. And because they're a nation state, and they can kind of do whatever they want to, they basically, oh, look at all these sponsorships we've got. But they were all coming from the same place. They're all coming from Abu Dhabi. And so in the end, they're like, I don't think you can do that. I think that's illegal. And so there's a chance that they might, have a points reduction they might have probably a significant fine if this is all found to be correct there is also a very outside chance that they might have points re- reduced from previous seasons which could mean the vacation of titles city claim their innocence we we will see what happens a developing story yeah here. so
1: so just so digging into that for just uh, just a minute basically the ability in in the case of in soccer in europe you purchase players. You don't necessarily trade for them. I guess you could, but uh, but at the end of the day or he could they could be part of a, a someone going back to a club. But basically, you purchase a player. The ability to purchase is relative to your revenues over your expenses. And at the end of the day, they probably overstated their revenues and potentially could have understated their expenses. And if you do that, you have more money to spend.
0: It's that simple. Right? <laughs> This is – there's also – it's unique that it comes at this time uh, a week after we got done with the January transfer window that saw Chelsea spend approximately, what, $1.5 billion? That's not exactly right. But, I mean, a ridiculous outlay of money. The Premier League as a whole, I think, spent $1.5 billion.
1: Yeah, almost a half a billion dollars. Chelsea – well, they almost spent – the league almost spent a billion. Chelsea almost a half a billion. Chelsea spent more than four leagues in Europe combined. So that just goes to the amount of money that is coming into the Premier League in in media rights. And they got ahead of it. It, it, Whenever we talk about these things, Alex, it feels like I'm talking about the NCAA. I I mean, we have five leagues in most cases that have media rights deals that obviously dwarf, um, you know, a good chunk of the conferences in in Division one. And they have issues per se. That let's just say we don't because of that particular situation.
0: Yeah, it's crazy, just crazy stuff. So we'll see what happens there. uh, If the, I know the president of La Liga, Javier Tevez, had a pretty scathing interview in which he really criticized the Premier League and said this isn't fair. Like this is you've doped the system, and as you can expect, because you know again the numbers that you just said. Show that the rest of Europe is falling behind, at least in terms of financial clout, and it's shown. It's shown up in how the teams have done in European competition.
1: Well, they didn't have, I believe, the manager before Pep. They didn't have his salary on the books, mm-hmm. so I don't think he was volunteering.
0: <laughs> you don't think Manuel Pellegrini was just doing it because he loves he loves the game, and you know, it's good <laughs> got, for him. Got a couple of scarves and. So, there so, we go. so more to come. More to so, come.
1: so, so, last question before we hit, hit, um I guess, send on this pod is today, today, February seventh. How do you feel about the Red Sox?
0: Oh boy, Um lukewarm. <laughs> okay. Yeah.
1: I I'm
0: cautiously optimistic to
1: see what this grouping is going to look like i mean there's a lot of ingredients in the kitchen i just don't know if the expiration date (laughs) might be on a lot of the stuff that we're going to put into the meal
0: some might be expired uh some are certainly bargain brand where you sort of cross your fingers and hope that they taste just as good as the name brand variety it's a weird it seems like it's a weird build it's just kind of a strange amalgam of people from different walks of life. And uh, it could work. It might work out. The model seems funny where they it seems like they've brought in a lot of guys that are like home runner strikeout type guys. Like the idea of, of going back to the the basics of like get on base, 10 pitch at bats, like those sorts of things. That doesn't seem to be the, the model here uh, that Heim Bloom has gone with. And that's interesting. I, I know baseball has shifted in that direction, but... I don't know, I guess to me, it, that's not as much fun to watch and seems to be kind of boomer or bust. But.
1: So I'm going to say two things. One, we do have to remember, or at least I have to remember, there are significant rule changes this year. Hmm. I mean, uh, no shifting, and so I, it'll That's be very cool. interesting what all that means. I, I really don't know what that means, Alex. But there are definitely rule changes, and the other thing is now again, this is going to benefit everybody in the AL East. But generally, the AL East has been stronger than others. It's more of a balanced schedule across, uh, you know, all all all. Uh, um all divisions. So yeah.
0: More that'll be interesting. Games,
1: yeah, so. yeah, so that'll be very very interesting. I'd say this though, here's probably where I'm at with them is a couple of the a couple of the acquisitions they've made. They've had to really do something on their 40-man roster and the differential between who they got and who they're letting go doesn't feel like there's a big delta.
0: <laughs> I would agree with that. It's not like we've made these great strides in personnel. It seems like we've we've kind of picked one, one replacement level player to the curb and added another perhaps slightly above replacement level, but maybe not. It's it's hard to say. Seems like yeah. Yeah.
1: I, I small, mean someone small, like small, a Matt small, Barnes. Baby, tiny steps. Yeah, Matt Barnes, he probably needs new scenery. I get it. I, I totally get it. He could have a great year. You know, I mean, I, I have no idea what's gonna happen, but it just seems all very marginal right now. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <sighs> Uh, Tristan Tristan
1: Cassis has to have a good year. That's what I'll say. Okay, that's what I'll say on February 7th. If he's a Rookie of the Year candidate, I think they could be okay.
0: You heard it here. You heard it here first. If he's
1: struggling and and heading down to Worcester sometime around early June, oof, oof, (laughs) we're going to be getting a good draft pick.
0: Yeah, oh, man. Well, it's either boom or bust with this team in the last... 15 years or so, either. Worst oh, yeah. Or first, we win it all. Nothing or we in don't. between. So they, we've gotten used to the, well, the last two years, a couple games away from a World Series, followed up by a last place finish. So it, that, that, by the law of averages, we'll be back in first place in the AL East before you know it. It's hard
1: to believe that you could, in 20 years, win four titles and finish last five times.
0: Welcome to this edition of the Boston Red Sox. That's right,
1: but I'm excited. It's it, it, that's good. I'm glad that's good. I'm glad you are. That's good. Three the three words that are just gives hope springs eternal pitchers
0: and catchers pitchers and catchers. I'm telling you, so Fort Myers beckons for the Sox for another year ahead. So last one, last very last thing. I need a Super Bowl pick from you. The Super Bowl is this weekend. Oh, Kansas City, right. Philadelphia. Give me give me your pick, Bill. Let's, yeah, let's
1: um, in. yeah, I, I. My sister lives right outside of Philly, so I'm going to go with the Eagles. How about that?
0: Yeah, I think that's a. I think that's a good choice. For no,
1: for no apparent reason other than I, I have no idea. I mean, how it's going to go. I think it'll be an okay game. I do. I, I think both of those teams, I think generally have been the best in their conference. So that that's a, it should be should be a good matchup.
0: Yeah, two number one seeds going at it. I would agree with you. I think I think the Eagles are perhaps a slightly more well rounded team. A little bit. I, I think that's probably the pick, but you never know. It should be like you said. I think we're in for a really good game. Should be fun. The desert, it'll be a spectacle.
1: Looking forward to it. It'll be great. It'll be great. It's Super Bowl Sunday. It's it's always great. great. It's always an event. That's exactly right. That's exactly right.
0: Well, this podcast has been an event. Big thanks to Eric Martinson for taking some time to jump on. Bill, always great to chat. We will do it again very soon for Eric, for Bill, uh, for everybody on our behind-the-scenes team. I'm Alex Seiner. Thanks again for listening. We'll talk to you in two weeks.